Colossians chapter 4, and uh, this scripture should be very familiar to you by now. We talked about it quite a bit during October, uh, the first part of that, and then September. So let me just read the first few verses. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving at the same time. Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. These key ideas, prayer is the foundation of everything. We need to say it again and again and again. It is the foundation of everything and nothing advances without prayer. Nothing advances without prayer. God has so ordained things that you are to be partnering with Him in the work that He does, and prayer is the main way in which we partner with God in His work in this world. And so we are to pray. How are we to pray? Remember, we are to pray steadfastly, persevering, continual, that we're to be steady in our prayers. Pray and go is not something that's going to wrap up by the end of this year. Pray and go is something that has begun and will continue to go on. We will continue to pray in our neighborhoods and for families and communities. We will continue to seek God for His will and for His work because it is the steady prayer, the persevering prayer, the continuing prayer that is the effective prayer. We're to be watchful in prayer, watchful in prayer, paying attention both to neighbors and to nations. What's going on among our neighbors' lives? How can we pray for them? What's going on in our communities at every level, from governments to schools to clubs to sports? Having our ears open at any moment, the Holy Spirit might prompt us, pray for this for your neighborhood. Pray for this for your community. And then for our nations, our nation and other nations. Our purpose at Clear River says this, that we are a, becoming a life-giving river, bringing healing and hope to neighbors and nations. We're sending Nami and Sammy. To, they're part of the river that's going there. They're bringing life to that area. We are bringing life to different nations. I just got a call from Robert in Thailand, and he's asked me to come over. And, uh, and here's why. For 10 students. For 10 students, 10 students who are ready to be set in long-term mission assignments. They're going to be in Cambodia. They're going to be in Nepal. They're going to be in Thailand, other points of, of, uh, of Southeast Asia. They're going there. Robert said, we want you to come. We want you to teach these students about the biblical basis of world missions and the calling that God has on their lives. And oh, by the way, on praise and worship and on the Lord's Supper and on anything else you'd like to talk about. And I have to share something that just touched my heart. I said, brother, I'm going to have to raise a couple of grand to get over there. Ten students. I said, well, we could do this via Skype if you wanted to, or, or isn't there somebody in closer vicinity that you could have do this. And he wrote back and he said, we could, Jeff, but I want you to know something. And I, and I want you to know that I tell you this not... Well, it's, it's going to sound so self-serving. There's no way around it. I'm sorry. 
He said, no one we've ever had has made as great an impact in person on our students. They know that they're cared for. They know that they're loved, and the insight that you bring to them as individuals is something valuable enough to have you on site. And I was humbled by that, to say the least. But I want you to know that I have you to thank for that, along with my Lord. I have you to thank for that. You, you train me every week in seeking the Lord and in hoping that I bring something to you that will impact you and strengthen you and minister to you. And you help me every week. Every week, some of you nod at me, and I go, okay, that's hitting home. And, and some of you sleep. And I say, hmm, well, that might not be hitting the mark. And some of you fold your arms sometimes, and you look at me like this, and I think, hmm, maybe I'm like my mother is doing right there right now. I said, <laughs> maybe I'm not quite getting through. But, I, but I'm every week, every week, I walk away from here thinking, okay, Lord, Lord, are we, are, we, are we on the money? Are we making an impact? Is that happening? And I'm so delighted that this church frees me to go and do that kind of thing and helps train me and love me and shape my life in such a way that I can go do that kind of thing. I'm so grateful. We are becoming a life-giving river, bringing healing and hope to neighbors and to nations. We're doing that through Robert. We're doing it in different places, in different ways. And so we are to be watchful. What's happening in the nations? What's going on in the nations? I got a, a, an email from a friend of mine in India about a, an American pastor who was just arrested and jailed under false pretenses and has been kept and is still not able to be released yet. And we get that kind of information. We can pray and ask the Lord to intervene on his behalf or use him as long as he has him in that situation. That's what Paul would have done. So we're to be watchful, steadfast. We're to be thankful in our prayers. We're to be thankful in our prayers. The great Horatio Bonar wrote these words, and you'll forgive me, women, if this is a passage in which he speaks specifically to men. Uh, and I thought about changing it. I thought about changing it to people or brothers and sisters, and then I said, no, the men need to hear this. So understand that it's to all of us, but brothers, you listen about being thankful about why this room should be filled with praises on Sunday mornings, why your voices should lead the way in giving praise and honor and glory to our God, why you should be the people at home among your families, bringing a spirit of gratitude in your home. He says this, what thankfulness should fill us? Should we not be continually praising and thanking? Yes, truly, we should be thankful men, men of praise, men of song, of thankful lips, thankful hands and feet, thankful deeds, thankful lives. As men of prayer, we should be thankful. Not to intermingle thankfulness with prayer, is sad ingratitude, thankless prayers. How mean, how base, how ungenerous. 
Can we expect answers to such greedy cries, cries of mere selfishness like those of the beast of the field? Oh, brethren, beware of thankless prayers. Nothing so likely to shut heaven and check the liberality of God as unthankfulness. We're to be men of song, men of praise, men of prayer. We're to be thankful. And then finally, our prayers are to be unselfish. As Paul tells them to pray, he immediately directs their attention to praying for others. Pray for me also. Pray for us that we might have open doors, etc. It's one of the hallmarks of our praying is that we are unselfish in our praying. We are always looking outward in our praying. That's really what pray and go is about, folks. Pray and go is not about reaching a particular goal. It's not about reaching a certain number. Pray and go is about this. It's about this. Every week, it's about this. God, turn our hearts out toward this world. Turn our hearts outward. And when you pray for people consistently and faithfully, it will do something to your heart and how you relate to them. So that's the bolder moving we've been talking about. We could, of course, we said a lot more, but we can't cover it all today. But we need to move forward this month into talking about the seed sowing piece of this. Bolder moving and seed sowing. And the seed sowing portion of this passage follows right after. Paul says to them, pray for open doors that we might declare the gospel. And I remind you, Paul was not saying, pray for us that we'll have open doors to share the gospel. Don't bother praying that for yourselves because you're not supposed to do that. No, what Paul was asking for prayer for is what we should all be asking for prayer for that God will open to us doors of opportunity to share the message of grace with others and to make it plain, to make it clear, and to declare it openly. So how do we do that? The very first part of this verse, Colossians verse 5, that follows the prayer section, he says this, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. The outsiders are the unbelieving world. They're outside the kingdom of God. They are separated from God, under the wrath of God, needing the grace of God, needing to hear the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ so they can be brought from outside where they are in the kingdom of darkness inside to the kingdom of of his own dear son. And so what's the first prerequisite for us being able to share that gospel in an effective way? It is this, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. It's interesting in this passage because Paul speaks about wisdom several times in the book of Colossians. There's several scriptures, I've put them there in your notes for you, several scriptures about wisdom. And I want to just take a moment and highlight something from each of these passages for us before we go today. What does it look like 
to be people who are walking in wisdom. So let me direct you to these passages, and let me just see if I can drop just a nugget about each of these for you today that will encourage you. First of all, Colossians 1.9, pray for wisdom. We're going to be praying for wisdom. And here's good news. Paul the Apostle then, and those prayers are just as effective now, prays for us to have wisdom. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom. Sometimes we think that we need earthly wisdom or cultural wisdom in order to really effectively engage with this world. And, I, and let me not by any means suggest to you that we should not seek to understand this cultural moment, the time that we are in, the, the, the culture that we are facing. But understanding that is not going to bring salvation to anybody. We must be filled with all spiritual wisdom, wisdom that understands the heart of God and the ways of God and the plan of God for salvation, wisdom that understands what God says about this world that we live in. And so we need to be praying. Make this one of your prayers. Oh God, fill me. Let me be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Pray for wisdom. That's how he opens the book of Colossians. And then in verse 28, he says, Him we proclaim, that's Jesus, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Clear River, don't settle for anything less than wisdom. Don't settle for anything less than wisdom. Let's make sure that we're hearing wisdom from God. Let's make sure that you're hearing wisdom from this pulpit. I have a couple of Bereans out there, Scripture searchers, who fact-check me. That's okay. I'm grateful for that. I love it when people send me an email and they say, you know, you said this, but I don't know about this because of that. And if you take this and that, not just this, but this and that, then the that has a problem with your this. And so, oh, I need you to explain to me what you are saying. And, and, and listen, I, uh, people, they'll say, I'm so sorry to, to bother you. I'm so sorry. I know you don't, don't need people asking you questions or challenging you. Yes, I do. <laughs> we are to be striving for wisdom. And nothing that is said from this pulpit is beyond being checked by Scripture. Nothing that is said from this pulpit is, is, is to be without examination, or is not to be thought about, or not to be questioned. If that's the case, I'm not a pastor anymore, I'm a dictator. A dictator is someone who just tells you what to think, tells you what to believe, and won't hear any argument or any discussion about it. I cherish the people in my life. You know who you are. I cherish the people in my life who make me think who make me ask again, who make me double-check myself and the things that I say. Believe it or not, I'm not the Pope, all right? I'm not, the, I'm not even close to Pope. 
I'm not, I'm, 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 I, I, yeah, there's this, there's no infallibility thing going on here. Trust me, there's not. So settle for nothing less than wisdom. The third scripture, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3, Paul speaking about Jesus, and he describes him this way, in whom are hidden, this is Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is the fountain of all wisdom. Proverbs says that the most, that the chief thing, the principal thing, the most important thing is to get what? What, are you scared to answer? Come on. Wisdom. I know some of you know. You've got to speak up a little louder. Wisdom. That's right. And then it says, with all your getting, get wisdom. With all your strength, get wisdom. Well, let me tell you something. If Jesus is the fountain of all wisdom, then let me suggest to you that the most important thing is to get Jesus. With all your getting, get Jesus. Get Jesus in your sights. Get Jesus in your heart. Get Jesus in your thoughts. Get Him in the center of your affections, of your love, of your thinking. Get Jesus. I'm going to tell you something, folks. You can read that book of Proverbs all day long, and you can find principles by which to live your life. But without the person of Jesus filling your soul, it will profit you nothing. There are non-believers who do things in Proverbs that Proverbs says, and the things that are supposed to happen to them happen to them, because it's just wisdom, right? Oh, sluggard, get out of bed, go to work. Unbelievers do that. <laughs> Consider the ant, works hard, saves up, blah, 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 does all these things. Then when winter comes, they're prepared. There's, there's tons of people that do that. Proverbs says all kinds of things. Makes all kinds of, of, of claims about things. And unbelievers all over this world do those things. Because they're just common sense things to do. What empowers your life and what makes a difference in your life and what enables you to apply those principles to your particular issues with the understanding of the Holy Spirit and the inside of the Holy Spirit is the person of Jesus Christ living in you. Jesus is the fountain of all wisdom. Wisdom gives life. Colossians 2, 23. He's talking about those who were troubling the Colossians, trying to put all kinds of rules and regulations on them, trying to suggest they should sustain from this kind of food and don't do these kind of things and do bodily harm to themselves to, to show their sincerity. Paul says, These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They are of no value to do that. And, and let me tell you something, folks. Even applying all the wise principles of Proverbs to your life, those principles 
by themselves in and of themselves are useless in curbing the indulgence of the flesh. It is useless in curbing that sinful nature within us because the foundation of it all, the root of it all, the fountain of it all is Jesus Christ and its relationship to Him. <clears throat> Wisdom is Jesus, and Jesus gives life. <clears throat> he brings life. Out prayer walking last Saturday, I came across a man who would talk about me, and I can't count the number of these conversations that entirely center their entire understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower is about behavior. It's about how you behave. It's about what you do. And if you do enough of the right things, you might be a Christ follower. And if you don't do enough of the right things, then you're a horrible person. Everything. We might, we might as well be Muslim. I mean, this is the scales, right? Good, bad. Do enough good, you're accepted by Allah. Do it, don't do enough good, you're not accepted by Allah. It's a religion of performance. You might as well be Mormon. We are not Mormon. We are not Muslim. We are believers in Jesus Christ. And we, as believers in Jesus Christ, know that the scales look like this. The righteousness I need, fully provided by Jesus Christ. The punishment I deserve, fully taken by Jesus Christ. Where is Christ now? He's not out there. He's in me. And He's giving me a power, giving me an energy, changing my heart so that I am not drudging through life trying to keep a certain set of rules or principles or proverbs and do enough of the right things to make God go, okay, I like you. No, God loves you. He loves you. He's been loving you for a long time. He's been loving you since before you were born. He's been loving you. And so, Wisdom gives life. In, in later in that same chapter, Paul says this down in verse 27. He says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. This mystery. This gospel. What's this great news? What's this good thing? What's this thing that is utterly and completely and entirely different from the rest of the world that God's doing. What is it? He says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, two, two more things. We need, to, we need to get through these. Two more things. So, settle, pray for wisdom. Settle for nothing less than wisdom. Remember that Jesus is the fountain of all wisdom. Wisdom gives life. You're not giving life to people. You're, if you just put regulations on people, you're not leading them to Jesus. Jesus gives life. He gives life. Wisdom is shared. Wisdom is shared. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in 
you richly. Each and every one of us have a responsibility to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, abundantly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. In all wisdom. Wisdom is shared. Who do you share wisdom with? He says here, um, uh, singing, right? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I, I don't know why the Lord put, maybe it was just, I don't know, maybe it was just a, a hot dog. I don't know. It's a, uh, um, but I was thinking about this this morning and I thought, I thought, Lord, how do I, how do I communicate this idea of sharing wisdom? And, and this thought dropped into my head, so I, I, this is just me, I think, not the Lord, but, but this, the thought was this, is that you can share wisdom with whoever you're close enough to that they don't mind your singing. <laughs> that you can, be, you can be close enough in a small group that you can hear each other sing. You know, singing, that, that's a revelation, isn't it? When, when you get with a group of people and there's not a bunch, there's not a band playing, a bunch of instruments playing, you start singing, you, can, you know, right? I don't care if you have a really nice voice, you're still a little self-conscious because people are listening to you sing. Whoever that, whoever those people are, there might be a small group waiting for you somewhere. There might be a Bible study waiting for you somewhere. But there's some, there are people that you are to be connected with in a significant enough way, in a close enough way that they've, that they've actually heard you sing in all your naked voice glory. And you share wisdom with each other. You sing God's word together. You share his word with each other. Wisdom is meant to be shared. Christ is meant to be shared among our life. Who do you sing with? Not here. Who do you sing with during the week? And finally, wisdom is how we relate to this world. And that brings us back to Colossians 4 and verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. We'll talk about that next week. But this is how we walk in this world. Paul opens the letter of Colossians praying that they will receive spiritual wisdom, knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom. And he closes the letter. These are the last instructions he gives, exhorting them to walk in that which he'd prayed for. He opens the letter by praying for it. He closes the letter by exhorting them, now walk in this wisdom. The literal, literal reading is, in wisdom be walking in all you do. Where does that wisdom come from? It comes from Jesus as we pray for wisdom, as we hold on to Him and as we settle for nothing less than wisdom. We want to hear the Word of God when we come in this room. We want to hear what God has to say to us. We want to hear what the Lord wants to speak to us. We will settle for nothing less than the wisdom of God. 
and we will cry out to know Jesus more and more deeply because we know that it is him in us that is the hope of glory. And we will share that wisdom with each other. Whether we sing it or speak it, but I, I will look for those that I'm supposed to be around at some point in my week and say something to them about Jesus and his wisdom. And they say something to me about Jesus and his wisdom. And then we exhort one another to walk in that wisdom. The only way we can approach this world, the only way we can approach, the only way we can approach this cultural moment, and it is like, in, like no other cultural moment of our time. The only way we can approach this cultural moment is in the wisdom that Jesus gives us.